Hello, friends and foes, chads and other people. Welcome to 12 for a Penny. This is episode two. Uh, the last episode went pretty well. You guys seemed to dig it, apparently. You guys had a pretty good... Most of you guys only tuned off after five minutes, and that's usually the same for a five-minute video. So, uh, yeah, we're glad you guys are digging it. And uh, this is episode two. Um, this week, uh, my father gave me Jim Croce's Photographs and Memories compilation LP. And I forgot the year. 74? Uh, 72, 74. Okay. I think, seven, yeah, I think 74 is right, I think. And then I gave my father Tame Impala's sophomore record, Lonerism. Super excited to talk about this. Boom! What do you, you want to go jump off of that one? Yeah, that's, that's fine. Um, and thanks for everybody that watched uh, the video. It was more than four people, which was a pleasant surprise. So yay for, yay for you guys. Um, appreciate it. Um, so yeah, Seth gave me Lonerism by Tame Impala. Um, to be fair, I had heard some of his stuff before. Seth had played a little bit of stuff for me um, and to check out. So just real quick, when I listen to these records for, for this, basically I usually throw on earbuds and listen to it while I'm doing stuff, running errands. Just I just want to listen to the whole thing, not really get too deep of a dive. Just kind of get the whole vibe of it. And then second listen, you just throw the cans on. Third listen, you just throw the cans on and pull up the lyrics, uh, go along with that, see if I missed something. Fourth time, typically take notes, um, read some reviews while I'm doing it, and kind of get my head around it. So this one threw in the buds, not at all what I was expecting. And so when second cut comes on, earbuds came out, cans went on. It's like, okay, this I got to listen to intently right now because there is a shitload of phasing going on right now. And that's awesome. So I was really surprised this kind of music is still being made today um, and that it's popular with people amongst your age. That That's extremely floors, popular. That floors, yeah, I saw it had almost a billion streams on mm -hmm. uh, one of those songs. So I actually did go back and listen to the first album too after listening to this, but um, which is a great album. Still, I'm listening to the third one, Current. Is that what it is? Currents, yeah. Currents, yeah. I haven't listened to that one yet. Um, I was really, really surprised. And I just want to say up front, this is exactly why we wanted to do this, this, this thing. Because I have tons of friends who would love this album. And I guarantee you they, they've never heard it. Um, because, I mean, I, I hadn't heard it. And this is a sound that I've been familiar with literally my entire adult life. It was the album that your my older brother had that was maybe it was early Floyd, maybe it was, you know, ELP. Um, you know, it had a lot of like the first thing that I heard is like this sounds like the Moody Blues. That was the first thing that hit for me. It sounds like the Moody Blues. And so I was like really, really, really taken in by it. Um and yeah, it was just really, really surprising. There's a couple other ones that uh had like a real pro call harem sound to it you know that real big that real big british sound that hit at that point in time and uh i was super 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 excited to listen to it and completely taken off taken taken aback by it so you know the first thing on the first listen to obviously the sound of it's incredible um it, it stuns me that one guy did, did this that that kevin mm. parker did that I'm, I'm gonna make one caveat because i told you he did the mixing and mastering himself he didn't mm -hmm. mix and master it but okay. every songwriting production and instrumentals all him minus a couple guitar work a couple uh guy uh lends some guitar 
and I think some keys. But okay. a la that, everything else is Mr. Kevin Parker. Yeah, that's that's absolutely fantastic. Um, just kind of some some quick things. The the overall sound of the album is that's really really cool. Um, it, it was something that again just absolutely absolutely floored that this is still popular amongst people your age is mind blowing to me. Um, people my age are still smoking pot. They need some smoke <laughs> pot too. So it's that this is the record. And the other thing that really hit me, like on the third listen to the album. Um, oh yeah, by the way, if, if you're going to listen to it, it, the guy does sound like John Lennon from A Day in the Life. He does. Okay, vocally, that's the style. Um, it, it's not, it, this doesn't sound like they're, you know, a copycat band or a cover band or, or try to be banned. It's just an influence and that's what it is. So um, we'll get that out of the way quick because it doesn't detract from anything. It just be prepared because you're going to, you're like, wow, that guy sounds like, yeah, it does. Um, but the, the one thing that came across and like said the third listen, he's a great lyricist. He has some incredible, incredible lyrics on this album. And the only, and again, I'm picking nits. I'm picking nits at this is I wish I could hear the vocals a little bit more. Mm-hmm. That's the only production thing that I didn't really, I, I wish because he's got some strong lyrics on here. Uh, and I wish I could hear those a little bit more. Um, the ones that like really kind of jumped out, yeah, music to walk home by. Um, One of my favorite tracks in the record. So yeah, beautiful. And I'm playing a part as someone else will try and so hard to be myself. I guess I'm all right, but they're doing so well. What I wouldn't give to just be under that spell. That's a really, 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 really powerful lyric. And I can see why it relates to people your age. And I can mm-hmm. see why it relates to people my age. Because we're all going through the same thing, just at different times of our life. Um and I'm not going to try to talk about something that I'm not qualified to talk about, but the album, and I say that and I'm going to, um, but you know, the album hits a lot on mental health. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of mental health issues that, they, that he talks about on the album. And I think it was on um, nothing that has happened so far has been anything we could control. Like I love the I love the attitude of, of, of that out of the of the the track because it's basically like okay we can't control this, you know, not in a like fuck it kind of way. Just like life happens, mm-hmm. and and that's okay. And you know, just we'll have to take a long break in between and go on with it. And I thought that really um, is is kind of a, a recurring theme throughout the album, mm-hmm. uh, and I thought it was handled really really well. Um, so I, I've got a question for you on this. Okay. So who would, or who are some other artists that do, you know, the psychedelia kind of music that are popular today that, uh, that, that are, you know, that are relevant to do this type of music? Okay. Um, it's it's strange because because him and Paula, especially the the really big smash hit, feels like we only go backwards was such a such a smash hit. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of see more of a psych. There isn't as like back in the sixties and seventies, like the psych was like really long form songs, like five to ten minutes, jam bandy kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that isn't as much. It's kind of morphing something different now. You get a lot a lot of like the psyche rock sound in like all the phasing and that stuff in a lot of pop stuff, like uh, Still Woozy. Um, he's, he's a pop guy, but he kind of has this sound. But as far as like true psych bands, um, Pond, 
they do a lot of this kind of sound who's uh his touring band when he plays live they play with him and another big favorite is a uh, king gizzard and the lizard wizard they are this very very cool, very cool name. name and uh they i think it might it fluctuates from like from what i know like a seven person band to like a 14 member band like two drummers like multiple leads and it's very all-encompassing this giant sound um those are two really popular ones i mean tim and paula is basically like the psych rock band but he is still keeps that kind of rock roots um mm. as far as the bands that really get what he's driving at king gizzard and lizard wizard is the only one that i can really think off the top of my head and they've actually i believe they put out a thrash metal record a couple of years ago that was like really good because there's like hellacious musicians um as far as the psych i really can't think of too many i'd have to i have to think about that for a second because him and paula is like the guy um in the psych rock scene now okay i'd, re I'd really have to think about that um i saw the second track in the it's like this goddamn prog rock man it's freaking great. That's why that's what the cancel it. I was like, holy shit, this is fantastic. Um, and through like a mind mischief, which is a, a really good killer track, uh Apocalypse Dream is good too. Um, there is some incredible drumming going on in this. Some incredible that's, yeah, that, that's subtle something... drumming going on that is absolutely uh I wrote down there the uh it reminded me a lot of like Ringo stuff on the end where you listen to it and you're like, Yeah, it's really easy. And then you see the chart for it and you're like, Holy shit, that's really hard. And it's really technical and it's cool. And that just throughout the entire album, there was stuff that was like that. There's like, wow, that's a really killer drum track on there. Um, there was even one on, uh, well, on Feels Like Always Go Backwards. Um, it's slightly out of time, except there's a, a cymbal crash on one every time that hits it back together. Um, again, at like a drummer thing, but it was really, really cool. And it's a really technical thing, um, but it sounds, it sounds really cool. Um, I did laugh on on my notes. I even wrote myself a note. Um, I was like, this is a really long song. And then note to self, <laughs> it's a psychedelic, psychedelic song. So of course it's a long song. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you fucking moron. Um, the one thing that I did find that was really cool um, on, on Keep On Lying, it's like the dinner party thing um i had read in later in some of the reviews that it was he didn't fit in here at the party you're an outsider to it um and i thought that was that was interesting the way that he wrote it and and also the way that he recorded it so it was just distorted enough that you couldn't hear everything and that he actually recorded it at a real dinner party and then really? remixed it yeah and remixed it and ran it backwards and masked and did all kinds of stuff on it so just so you got the feeling that you could try to listen to it a hundred times but you couldn't really hear what they were saying all the way uh and that was done intentionally to that now you couldn't get in to be with that group yeah you, literally that, that's that whole it, isolation yeah. right which i thought was really really cool um and that is like one of the reasons too that when i go through that and i do read the, re the reviews because i wouldn't have caught that in a million years yeah. and it makes me appreciate it even more so um so what uh it's like what questions do you have for me at a good break point on this i guess about the yeah. album what i thought about it well you you touched on, you touched on this in the beginning when you said like this is a sound that you've been very familiar with your entire life mm -hmm. so what um 
because I'm curious, what, how, how do you, how does this fit into like the psych rot can that you grew up with? Like, is, do you find this at all? I don't, I don't think I just, I'm going to assume you don't find it derivative, but like in what direction have you seen, do you hear this, like pushing that sound in a, in a different direction than, um, what, this, than what there was? This would remind me more of the, um, of the British style that came in in the late, like I said, late sixties, early seventies, um, that we heard that was in kind of, uh, made more popular in America with bands like, you know, Embers like a Palmer and King Crimson and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess probably even like, honestly, like Sabbath probably to a certain point because they, they did stuff like that too. Um, so I would say it's, no, I don't want to say it's derivative at all. I would say this is like taking the form and using, um, contemporary instruments, um, sounds, um, mm. ideas, mm. and have just kind of kept the, you know, kept it going and progressed it in that direction. Um, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with having, wearing your influences on a sleeve at all. Mm. And, you know, they, I wouldn't, you know, again, for me, it was like Moody Blues and Procol Harum were the two that really, really jumped out when I listened to it. Um, but there's, you know, they're just taking a genre and keeping it and, you know, keeping it going. And, and and doing a style that they like, obviously, they're obviously he's a really incredible musician that really likes production, and that's the direction he's going to it. So now this is great, man. This is there's, you know, I know I know a lot of times, especially, I'll hear, you know, so and so, oh, they're just a blatant rip off of this, and they're a blatant rip off of that. Well, your favorite band's a blatant rip off of somebody. Yeah, you just might not you might not have heard of them before, and uh, so no, I think. And, and this is again i i'm stunned this is this is popular amongst young folks because there is god there's 20 years of this out there that's incredible that mm -hmm. you can go back and dip your toes mm -hmm. into and listen to and this was stuff that wasn't even like like for me like uber popular it was just always around because you'd flip on tv and there'd be some grainy concert video and they're playing for 13 minutes yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. and but it doesn't sound like fish you know, which is not a knock on fish they're a little bit more proggy uh, than than this but you know great musicians want to hear great musicians play for a long time mm -hmm. and this is like you know the, the song is going to last as long as the song is going to go and mm -hmm. and uh, so no i thought it was i think it's fantastic i'm glad somebody's still doing it and doing it as well as they are so so do you find like so do you find the biggest difference between the 60s 70s kind of psych rock and this like just just purely the production just like how produced it is now like with, with the modern uh, technology we have, do you, do you find that to be the biggest difference in shifting in sound between those two eras? Um, I would say that's a big part of it. This album specifically, since I'm not familiar with our other artists that do this kind of stuff, um, is also the the topics that they're talking mm -hmm. about. Um, you know, those albums, a lot of subtle and not so subtle drug references, a lot mm -hmm. of sci-fi stuff that they were talking about, you know? Um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is more like, no, I really feel like there's something wrong with me because I don't fit in. And how do I get around that? And you don't, didn't really hear that in a lot of those songs. They were either, you know, redoing an old blues song or it was, you know, the, you know, a sci-fi kind of thing that was going on mm -hmm. or just a blatant drug thing. So now th this, I mean, he's saying something on this out on this album and you didn't really hear that a lot you know in those bigger hits back then it was just more free form long form because they were all dropping acid and like you said, and yeah that's, that's what it was it was that's what it was but um but no, i would say to me that's probably the biggest difference is he's actually saying something that's pretty contemporary and it's not you know 
a political thing or anything like that. It's like, hey, it's it's okay to be not okay. Okay, because that see that that, that surprising me because it, it with, with the generation of musicians I've grown up with is the theme of like that seems when I think about the artist like as a person in my mind is that kind of seems like the space that they uh exist in is like the not fitting around on on the inside of things and having to exist kind of outside of the general population and so that's that that's very surprising to to hear that that this is something that is that wasn't the way it was because that's definitely a reoccurring thing theme in his music it's like why can't i fit in and it and it's not like a disdainful thing whereas going back let's draw on some morrissey again where he's like I'm, I don't fit in because I'm holier than thou and these are a bunch of like idiots, but Mr. Kevin Parker is looking at it with like a wanting to, to feel that like sense of community, but he's just unable to. Yeah. And also that, you know, it was like for the thing with the album cover, the fence was there for a reason. Faces are obscured for a reason. So, you know, so you couldn't get in, but at the end of the album, it's also okay. If you can't get in, that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. If you can't get in and it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a difference between just, you know, giving up on everything and being like, okay, this didn't work today. Um, or these people don't like me, but maybe the next people that I see down the road, maybe they will like me and tomorrow will be a better day. And it's not a depressing album and it's not, um, you know, it really looks at a, at a really serious issue. Um, and like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty screwed up and I'm pretty lonely right now, but I'm, it's, I'm not looking for a way out. I'm looking for a way to make it better, you know, to make, mm-hmm. to make it better for me. And, and, mm-hmm. and to maybe if I don't fit in with this group of people, I'll find a different group of people. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really cool. And it's just, it's really, really understated. I mean, it's, it's out it's, there. It's, you, it's not explicit. It's implicit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Cause you look at it, you look at the album cover, you look at the stuff, the way that he records the stuff it sounds like, no, it's obvious what he's trying to, you know, it's a message <laughs> he's putting across, but it's not like, you know, slammed in your face, you know, it's not the cure. <laughs> and it is because sadly we get a lot of very heavy handed, like that fucking logic song with the suicide hotline number, like good intentions, but still it's like, you can't approach the subject a little bit more finesse, a little more, a little more respect for the subject, I suppose. But Hey, I, I mean, I know, I know what you think of that, but uh, there was an article that just came out a couple of weeks ago um, that saved a bunch of lives. So yeah, no, 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 no great intentions. Like good on him. Yeah. Good on him. I'm being a yeah. bit of a dick, but I'm capable of being a bit of a dick. Wonder where you get that from. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was that. Sorry. Um, so the other thing that was was really cool on I'll keep on lying at the end of it. Now I want to notice if you picked up on this. So after the cut for the dinner party there's a guitar solo and it's basically one note and it's just that so then there's like laughter after that solo ends so then the next solo it's multiple notes it's played better the crowd sounds louder because he's fitting in now Mm-hmm. He's being he's being allowed into the into the room. He's being allowed into the group, and then once he starts going, the other guitar comes back in with the same note, and that's when the song ends. Ah, pretty brilliant. Yeah, pretty brilliant. Pretty cool. Um, 
and that's what I didn't get from review. That's when I got from listening to like five times uh, going on. Um, Elephant, it's really cool. Um, I did read a funny thing. He said in the thing, he's like, he, he doesn't like playing the song anymore. He says it's a little bittersweet, but like that song's paid for half my house. So <laughs> he has to play it every night. And it's a jam. It's a good song. Absolutely. Um, that, that, that song honestly reminds me of a white of a white stripe song just because it's so fucking dun, dun, dun. it's a very yeah. like stripesy kind of hook yeah and another killer drum kick on that one too that one's really good mm-hmm. um like i said i love the whole the whole thing on nothing has happened um and then sun's coming up okay this was not what i was expecting the song to be at, like at all mm-hmm. and so i was listening to it and i was kind of like huh it's just kind of not i was kind of expecting a, like a bow on the end of the album so i listened <laughs> to it and um i was like okay and then i went back and read about it and so the line in there about it um you know playing his guitar while he's dying of cancer was about his father who was literally dying of cancer while he recorded this and so you know it was his dad's death and he couldn't control anything but he came to an acceptance of that and then something else and i don't know if you've noticed this or not but listen to it again so it ends, you know, with that weird kind of guitar solo at the end. Distorted kind of out of place. Yeah. And, um, you know, kind of as a, as a tribute to his dad. The very last beat of the album is a child saying daddy. But it cuts off. You just hear da. And that's the way the album ends. So no, listen to it. I never, no, no, I never heard that. Listen to it again um, with cans on, and you'll hear you'll hear a child just start to incoher- incoherently talk like that, and just go da, and that's the way the album ends. So, wow, really, really cool. Um, I listened to it a bunch. Really, really liked it. Um, there was a lot. I looked at a lot of reviews. Um, it was everywhere from. NME gave it the album of the year, gave it a hundred out of a hundred. Um, and that's pretty, that's pretty serious when they do that. Uh, the worst scores I could find were like seventies and they didn't really have anything bad to say about the album. They just didn't really like the genre of it. Uh, but they liked the musicianship, everything about it. And I do want to say, um, I did see something. It was a review from pitchfork. Um, and I couldn't find the, the person that actually wrote it. I just saw it. And I thought they, they summed it up as way better than I could ever do it. And it says they explore the emotional difference between being alone and being isolated. And that's something I think everybody can feel over these last two and a half years. And everybody feels at a certain point in their life, you know, that difference of being alone or being isolated. And uh, I thought that was, I think that was brilliant. I, I, I couldn't have put it better than that. And I think that sums up the album in its entirety. I think that's, that's exactly the sound they were going for, the, the vibe they were going for on the album. Um, I strongly recommend to anybody, if you haven't listened to this, listen to it uh people that last week if you listen to the jpeg mafia album you're like holy shit um listen to this one you'll it's 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 gonna be like oh my gosh what's going on but it's a vibe that you can definitely feel in there it's not it's 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 a sound that you're familiar with a sound that you've heard uh but just really really well done really really good album really really glad you turned me on to that one that's that's a good listen that's an artist that i've listened that i will listen to going forward too it's good stuff absolutely gassed that you were this big on it absolutely gassed it's a it's it's a fantastic record i i, I gave it to you because it's my favorite 
um uh, tim impala record the other ones are fantastic obviously but lonerism just it it hits at that moment where you need it to hit and uh yeah, it's fantastic i actually i have a very strong memory of i was it was my third semester at school i had just finished an all-nighter doing my assignment because i'm i was a procrastinating dipshit and i'm waking up it's like seven uh, seven six in the morning and I was listening to Lonerism and I was like, you know what, we're going to go walk around campus and listen to suns coming up while the sun's actually coming up. And it was a delightful, delightful experience. So glad, glad my money paid for that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, pass with flying colors. Hey. But no, gassed, gassed, you liked it so much. Very much. Um, uh, I guess, I guess those were your closing thoughts then. Um, again, just really surprised this is still a popular genre. Uh, this is, I've said it like five times now. I just, I'm very surprised that 20 something year olds listen to this style of music. Uh, just honestly, I thought it was kind of a, kind of a dead genre. And, uh, so that's, that's exciting to me. That uh, it's something that that style of music is continuing on and, uh, that it's done well and good for Perth. Would it be on the map? Not good, for big Perth. good for Perth. Get those fucking Aussies out there making music in their fucking Winnebago <laughs> desert fucking plane. Not all men at work. Island. No. <laughs> okay, so the album that I gave you was a compilation album by Jim Croce called Photographs and Memories. And I am curious to hear your thoughts on this particular record. Well, I'm going to get something straight out of the bat because I've never even heard, and I'm not like as into music as some people are in the music, but I like to think I'm pretty aware of what's going on or who's like who. Never heard of Jim Croce in my life. Never heard of him until you recommended it to me. Okay. And that is an absolute travesty. And the reason I didn't realize that his life was in the, in the true, in the, this word gets around a lot, an actual absolute tragedy that he lost his life as early as he did. Tragic as hell. And so I know that that affects, that that's gonna affect the way that he did commercially. I've never, I've never heard of Jim Croce and I don't understand why. Because as a 60s and early 70s singer songwriter, you're going up against some of history's best singer songwriters. And obviously Dylan is someone that is going to be talked about in the same breath as Jim Croce. And in the same way that like you asked me to hold Death Grips, uh, JPEG Mafia comparison, I find that to like not even be fair to try and like, oh, well, Bob Dylan and Croce. It's like, these are, these shouldn't be going the head to head against each other. They're both in the same genre, both from the same time, but just let these two exist. Yeah, and also not to uh, cross over on you there, but, um... Also played in a lot of the same coffee shops, really? the same scenes in New York. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked yeah, about no, the, yeah, yeah, he, he is in New, New York. York. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they did a lot of the coffee shop tours, uh, not together, but they were playing in the same scenes around the same scenes around the same time. Um, and yeah, he, you know, for for people that don't you know don't know who he is or whatever, um, you know, he was thirty when he died, died in a plane crash, and with uh, his guitar player and um, a couple other band members. So it was a very, very, very short, uh, short career. And he had actually had literally just hit when he died. And as a matter of fact, um, I got a name was released the day after he died. I read that. It's fucking eerie. 
fucking yeah. eerie as all get out. So, well, yeah. So tell that, me about the album. That note off the bat, um, I loved it. I my my favorite Dylan album is Bring It All Back Home because it's so punchy and the songwriting isn't suffering from that at all. And this is a fantastic. I know it's a compilation, so that's gonna affect the sequencing, but it's a fantastic mix of heartbreak i don't know what relationships must have been like in the 60s but holy <laughs> fuck they must have been different because these songs aren't coming out now these songs are not coming out now um it's a great mix of heartbreak tracks great tracks about like good breakups you're like a victorious and leaving this lady or ones where it's like regret and full of sorrow and looking back and there's also just songs that make you like want to laugh with how hilarious they're like roller derby girl is one of the fucking funniest songs i've ever heard it's so goddamn funny and he had like he really has a knack um especially on bad leroy brown rapid roy and uh what's the other one don't mess around with jim is he Mm -hmm. just builds these characters in 18 lines and you Mm -hmm. can pitch a fucking movie based on rapid roy like you could you with that song you can make a pitch for a feature-length film about this guy that's fleshed out in a three and a half minute song it's ridiculous yeah Um, that's it's one of the things that um you know i think i I told you when we were talking about it when the songs come on like the playlist they just they make me smile whenever i hear it they just they make me smile when i do it but yeah like you know you know, I don't think you spend a whole lot of time in dive pool bars of, in New York City, <laughs> but you know who that guy is. Yeah. And the guy yeah. that comes in looking for him, you know who the hell he is. Mm-hmm. You've never met those people in your life or anything close to resembling some 70s bar hustler that or pool hustler at a bar, but you know exactly who that guy is and what he looks like. And uh, yeah, it's he's he's a hell of a, he was a hell of a storyteller. And, yes, and, and that, I, that, that's and the I best word, that. storyteller. And 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 literally, on um, on you don't mess around, with Jim. There is a protagonist, like it's literally a story, and it has it has a fucking arc. It's a song that has an arc in it, in for a character in the song. It's it's amazing. Um, Bad Leroy Brown the hook is phenomenal it's so fucking catchy it's got a great rhythm to it it's got like it's great like almost like you want to move to it you want to like stomp your foot to it it's got such good pace um you the character leroy brown you you just adore him you adore him and you're also kind of terrified of him um and then and then this is because that's a great song to kind of get going and then you go in the operator which is this this beautiful and mature breakup song um it's it's so lovely and it really hits home that idea of like it's it's like because uh, breakup songs have a tendency to be sad but this is like such a, a specific kind of sad that it's in in again this character in this like undergoes an arc where he's like let me get her a number i want to talk to her and then he starts to regress into that and he's like no, and then he ends up back in the place where he started at the beginning of the song when not wanting to approach her. And I wrote down that especially on uh, verse two, um, it's it's beautiful. When he talks about like, I can't make, he, he just got the number and he can't even read the number anymore because it's smudged. It's like, yeah, dude. Um, and, and 
especially coming off of Billy Ray Brown, where he's just kind of doing that singer-songwriter, bluesy, folky kind of vocal delivery. He sings so beautifully on Operator. He yeah. he really lets his pipes like shine with that one. Um, beautiful. Um, Photographs and Memories, the, the next track is, again, um, it's reading the lyrics. I mean, it's, it's structured. You can read it and understand the impact that you get from it. You don't even need to listen to it, but you, it's, it's literally a poem that he sings. Yeah, that's and exactly poem right. is, it's, And a lot of the songs like that, where it's like, you can read this and get, and that that's like, it seems to be a hallmark of some of the great songwriters. And that's what I loved. Like when I was in seventh grade, I, we had to do a poetry unit and the poet I picked was Dylan because you can read it and just get as much. And it's the same mm-hmm. story here. Um, Photographs and Memories is such a beautiful song and he really, he builds, it seems to be that if you want to get the most out of a subject or a topic on a song and really flesh it out is you just do that by building these little vignettes and building these little tiny scenes that you can relate to instead of saying, I'm so sad, I'm blah, 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 blah. He like builds up these things like boxes of this and pictures of that. And it builds and sets the scene and you can really get into it. It's fucking beautiful. That's um, because operators probably. So one of my favorite one of my favorite lines in in music is you know she's living in L.A. with my best old ex friend Ray, guys that she she knew well and sometimes hated. That's a great line. You know if you've ever been broke up or dumped on dumped and she went with your best buddy, that's a that's a vicious line. And then um, in photographs and memories, you know all the things we knew, not a dream survived. That's soul crushing. Yeah. That's that's soul crushing, and he's reminiscing about that. Yeah, um, there's, so, there's so much reminiscing going on, and that's just painful. Yeah. It's fucking painful. Yeah. And actually, a funny little caveat I heard about, I was reading about on the uh, on an operator. There, the dad of in the Trailer Park Boys, the titular Trailer Park Boys, the father of Ricky, his name's Ray. In the name of that episode, it, it's about some broad in that episode. I might, I'm gonna start that over. It's about this this girl in the episode, and the name of the episode is called "That's the Way It Fucking Goes" or "That's the Fucking Way It Goes." Oh, really? Like, yeah, as a, awesome. as a little as a nod to uh, old Jim Croce getting some love from the Trailer Park Boys. That's awesome. It's I I had no fucking clue. I was like, whoever found this out <laughs> has such a specific the Venn diagram. The Venn diagram of uh, Trailer Park Boys fans and Jim Croce fans just overlap a lot. So that was incredible. Um. Rapid Roy, the stock car boy. I already gave this track some love. It is so fun, so goddamn punchy, and it has one of the catchiest hooks I've ever heard. I catch myself saying, got an extra pack of cigarettes rolled up in his t-shirt sleeve all the goddamn time. Cause even like that line, you you get you understand like the burnout, fast going bullet kid right there. You you, you get it, you get it. <laughs> And it's, um, no, it's fucking awesome. There was something else. Oh, the line about a tattoo says, baby, and one just says, hey, hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Some guy is getting a tattoo and one that just says, hey, <laughs> hilarious. Um, God. And then the next track, Time in a Bottle. Um, it's so eerie that that is the track released after the day of his death. It is haunting for that fact alone but the instrument is so it's just fucking haunting it's eerie it's so like those high little keys that are just doing their thing and just lingering around 
And then I did make a note about the did lyrics. It, did, it, did it, um, I did, sorry, I mean, to cut across you again, You're but good. would it surprise you that that has 105 million streams? With context, no, but yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> I've like, how have I not heard this fucking guy? It's maddening. And it has one of maybe my favorite lyrics on the record, one of my favorite lyrics I've heard in a hot minute. Um, there never seems time enough to do the things you want to do once you find them. Mm-hmm. Fuck. It hits Fuck. you. Is Even it when you say it, it hits bitch? you. Yeah. yeah. It hits you. you don't have, once you figure out what you want, it's like, well, shit, now I can't even. It's beautiful. And it's in a lot of the songs, a lot, he seems to have a really knack about the looking back, the looking back and reminiscing and sing about it but he he also provides the antidote to that on uh we'll jump ahead a little bit onto um i can't make out my goddamn handwriting i, I got a name too. i i, I, I got a name he really like out of all the sadness that really in reminiscing and like looking back at time that's passed all that that's in the record i got a name is such a great track about just fucking doing it just fucking yeah. getting on and just going after it and again, another lyric that is fantastic is the, uh, I got a dream if it gets me nowhere, I'll go there proud. Beautiful. Written right there. <laughs> so, right there. <laughs> it's so great. It, it reminds me of uh, Avon Heroin where Lou Reed says, I don't know where I'm going, but I'll try for the kingdom. It's like, you don't know what's at the end of it. You don't know what the result is, but you, you just got, you have to do it. You have to do it no matter what happens. And uh, that song's in Logan. I didn't know that. I was yeah. looking at it on Genius in Logan. It's been in a few things. Um, New York's not my home. Um, that's actually one of my favorite tracks on there. There's something about sounds, the, that sounds pretty brutal. It's yeah. so it's so good, and it it really pairs with. Uh, there's an LC Sound System song called New York. I love you, but you're bringing me down. And that's something that I seem to get out of a lot of these New York songwriters in the New York scene. Is like you built me, but holy fuck, this is a cancer of a city. And it's about, you know, being alone in a place with so many people. And that's not a new topic, but it's just done so well that it's miserable. It's annoying how well it's unbearable. Well, and that also goes to, you know, he was playing those, the coffee houses and having some success, but he wasn't the getting the critical success of the unbelievable amount of talent that was in New York, play those coffee house scenes at that point in time. And, um, you know, he was, he was a really, really talented guy and, and he probably more so than most of the other singer songwriters of that time. And I mean, you're talking about Mount Rushmore people that, that were performing yeah. those houses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They weren't, they weren't doing funny, you know, they weren't doing like, like roller derby queen and, and that they weren't doing that, you know, everything they were doing was like super serious and he was adding like characters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And if. You know, you don't think he was influential on a lot of artists at that time period. You're dead wrong. Um, if you listen to any early Springsteen stuff, you can hear it a million different times. And, mm-hmm. and, and but, you know, and that was part of the thing with New York is he was just like, man, I'm, I'm trying to make it make it here in the scene. And it's just not happening. And it's beating him down. And he's giving everything out for it. And and uh, yeah, that song's you know, it's a pretty song. But when you listen to it, like you said, it's it's brutal. It's like this, this is kicking the shit out of me. Yeah. And I got to and I got to do something different. Yeah, and that and that and that it really is like tragic in the sense that like holy fuck, trying to, can you? I can't even like it's hard enough to make a name for yourself in the scene now. You need the fucking internet. 
He's in New York in the late 60s and early 70s, right. where some of the best acts of all time are coming out. Yeah. Unreal struggle to try and get your name out there. But it's just, it goes bat for bat with some of the best lyrics and songs, singer-songwriters I've, I've ever heard. Um, and actually, this goes straight into a point about Dylan on the next track. Walk, walk, <laughs> working at the Car Wash Blues. I don't know which song is a better I Hate My Job song, this or Maggie's <laughs> Farm, because they both are such a similar vibe. <laughs> I remember de- delivering pizza and listening to Maggie's Farm. It's like, yeah, this is the same struggle that I'm having right now. <laughs> and it's, and there's so, like, the one of the wittiest, because that's the thing you get with singer-songwriters, is their fucking wit that just is, like, like none other. Smooth talking, trying not to tell my genius. They say we got all we can handle. Or we got, the, oh, we we got all we can use. We got all we can use fucking brilliant that like when you know you're when you know you're clever but it doesn't fucking matter at all and and maybe you're an idiot for even thinking that you're this genius so clever i should be on a big cigar blah blah blah. so fucking funny and you're still just there washing cars yeah someone said you make youtube videos with your dad (laughs) yeah yeah i should be smoking cigars right now dude fuck all that shit i don't want to work too hard it's such a great it's so it's so funny um you know th- th- this goes bad for bad with maggie's farm as far as i hate my job songs so brilliant um and yeah like i said earlier i, I got a name um it's it's a beautiful song about just doing what you know you've got to do regardless of where it takes you who who says you can't do it losing people along the way it's a great song about just the journey the journey of, of life the journey that you got to go through to get to where you got to be even if it's not from the outside looking from the outside looking in not right that doesn't matter if, if you know where you're supposed to be that's where you're supposed to be and, yeah, and th- this is because i listened to the, this album again last night too and it kind of hit me it was it was kind of odd that you know that you gave me the album that that i got and i gave you this one and they kind of share a, a similar thread that's kind of mm-hmm. woven into it you know like like you said you know, if it gets me nowhere, then I'll go there proud. You know, I, again, I'm not, if this scene doesn't work, I'll find another one, but, but I'm proud of who I am. And I'm proud of what I've, what I've accomplished. And that's not a hugely different message from lonerism. It's the same thing. If, if I didn't fit in and it doesn't work, I'll find someplace I will fit in. And, uh, those was still last night. And I was like, wow, that's kind of, cause these, they're two vastly different albums. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, a thousand percent, but I get a positive message to kind of flowed through both of them on that. And you can tell that's what those, both those artists are like, okay, this is, this might be what I have to tell myself to get through to tomorrow, but damn it, this is what I'm telling myself. And this is what I believe in. So I thought that was interesting when, when it popped up last night, I was like, <laughs> and sometimes getting to, sometimes getting to, to tomorrow is a Herculean task, but yeah. hey, strong man. Um, I'll say love you in a song. <laughs> so I was listening to this. <laughs> And I used to think, when I was listening to it today, because I, I listened about four times, I, I almost go about the listening to records in a completely different fucking way. Whenever I'm doing the illustrations, I usually do the illustration and the animation for the video beforehand. So I'll listen to the record while I'm doing the drawings. And uh, I, I barely do any reading until like yesterday, I was reading the lyrics and doing reading up on it and then took notes today right before. And whenever I listen to it, it's like this beautiful, beautiful song about the guy that he just can't, he. Like, like the real artist struggle, not being able to actually use your words in real life. You have to sit down and actually record a song to get an emotion across. And I just thought when I was reading it again, I was thinking, 
Holy fuck. If Liam Gallagher wrote this song for Noel, this would be fucking perfect. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's what Wonder, if you think about Wonderwall in that regard, that's what Wonderwall is. And Jesus Christ, like, make up, boys. And it's, you know, it's, it's so beautiful. I've always, in my mind, that song, because I, I, I love that song too. And I've always pictured him as like, he's laying in bed, you know, next to his lady. And he like runs downstairs. And it's like, I've got to write the song right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, I can't say it to you, but this is how I can say it to you. You know, I, that's how I've always in my head pictured him writing that song. He could have been, you know, three sheets to the winds, you know, doing whatever, just like, hey, it's a great riff, I'm gonna knock it out. But in a romantic heart, that's how I have always pictured him writing this song. If there's, one, if there's one thing this guy is, it's romantic. None of none of this, there's not an ounce. Of bitterness, resentfulness, none of it. Not a lick of it. This is all um, about... We'll get to Lover's Cross in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but even that... Okay, okay. We, we will get to that song because that song's great. Um, don't mess around with Jim. Um, it's, it's just another example of how he can just bring a character to life in two and a half yeah. minutes. And just, it's, yeah. And on, on to Lover's Cross. Lover's Cross is such... Very rarely do you hear a song that touches on this kind of relationship where you've got this overbearing woman that wants to almost assimilate you to herself or to her relationship or to her life and wants you to be what she thinks you should be and jim's having fucking none of that none of that and he's (laughs) like and uh but in, in even in it, he's he he. It's not all bad. Like when he's describing his relationship, it's not all bad. He says like, for every time we laughed, there were two times I cried. Yeah. And so like there were good moments interspersed with this, but it's just too painful and poisonous, and it's hurting who he is. And she seems to not give a shit. And that's not a relation. That's not a thing that you hear about. And songwriting too much no it's it's really not because you know he's basically you know i ain't gonna hang on no lover's cross for you that's that's heavy that's a, that's yeah. a heavy line you know you know to you know i'm not gonna be a martyr never was much of a martyr before i ain't about to start something new i mean that's that's a heavy line and you're yeah. right that isn't something that's written a lot because you know i mean what guy wants to write that write about that you know no, no guy wants to write about that um but yeah that's that, that's a that's a heavy heavy song that's probably yeah, probably the, that's probably the dark song on the album it's not really dark it's just um that's one of those that you're like a little uncomfortable listening to it but you're like mm-hmm. yeah it's you know somebody's got to say that because it's happened to a bunch of people that we know if not if it didn't happen to you and uh yeah that that one's that one's pretty tough yeah losing because there there is like in in a romantic sense it's like you have to Whenever you engage in like an actual mature serious relationship, you have to give up parts. It's there's sacrifice involved, but this chick isn't isn't satisfied with what he's isn't no. and isn't satisfied with it, and uh, he's not <laughs> he's not doing that. I, I the word I used to describe the song is over overbearing in the best way possible. It's <laughs> it's like like you feel it and it's fucking. Uh. But then luckily we get a follow up with a victorious song about fuck that girl get on out of here <laughs> follow that with this it's so it's so much fun it's the most fun breakup song i've ever heard besides Hilo green's fuck you um <laughs> so much fun um it's it's like a victory lap and 
And again, instead of saying, I'm glad, instead of bluntly saying, I'm glad I left this girl, he uses the one less set of footsteps on your floor to, you know, paint this scene instead of telling you mm. about it. The, the show don't tell rule. He's showing mm. you this scene instead of telling you. Mm. And it's, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. And then we get followed up by these dreams. Oh, sorry, sorry, are you gonna go? Yeah, um, you know, that's another one that it is, it's kind of funny the way it's sequenced on there, but you know, right after Lovers Cross, but yeah, it's it's another one. It's just like, deuces, ain't taking it no more, bye, see ya. And like you said, it's, yeah, and that's a great, I mean, that's a great line to put in the old vocabulary too, you know, you can argue with hey, look, one less set of footsteps on this floor in the morning. <laughs> wow, that's that's really good. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's 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 a killer track too. Super super witty. He he's got a razor sharp wit. And funny enough, I was listening. I was when I was listening to the record, it folded over, uh, auto played into like a live uh song he did, or like a live album he did. Speaking voice sounds nothing like I thought it was gonna sound like. He sounds like <laughs> he sounds like. I don't even know. It's so New York and very Jewish. It's it's hilarious. It's mm-hmm. his, his voice is comedic almost. He he could have had a career doing Simpsons characters, but it's it was a fun little caveat. And then these dreams, just another another song to add to the great canon of lost love, ended relationship, missed opportunity songs. It's it goes toe to toe with the best of them. Um, yeah, I, I wish I had more notes on it, but it's just just listen to the song. It's yeah, um, I like that one too. You know, there's that line. Now we're just lonely people trying to forget each other's names. Yeah, you know that's that's a that's a, a real life line. And that's one yeah. that gets you in the feels. They hit you in the feels on that one too. Yeah. You're like, yeah, <laughs> we, and that's the way the whole thing is. It's like, yeah, you know, we we spent all this time together. We you know we're together for every second, and now we don't even say hello. And we all felt that. We've all felt that. Fucking that. I. I. Somebody that we used. Somebody that I used to know is a song written about that. That those two lines just turned into a whole song. Exactly. Exactly. It's uh. Yeah. He's. They seriously must have been doing shit differently in the sixties. Like what the fuck? (laughs) This is. This shit is. They don't write songs like this anymore. And then we close with a track full of good humor and love for big girls. Roller Derby Queen is just so much damn fun and it and funny enough it's about you know the roller derby and it has quite a like circular rhythmic feel to it like like the round and around it really it, it drives that point oh home. that's good that's that's a good catch right there it's, it's I never, really i've like, never caught that before that's a good catch it's, it's very fun it's very fun and uh she's built like a refrigerator with that head is <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh my lord it's, I was it, I was listening to this while I was actually playing Minecraft, and I listened to I think it was the first time I listened to it front to back, and that it caught me so off guard that last song, because there's like three heartbreak songs in a row, and then Roller Derby Queen, and it's just it's it's hilarious, it's so goddamn fun, and again, even though it's it's a silly character kind of track, because that I I read this I, I didn't say this when I was recording, but there, I read this review or this retrospective this total jackass did about Jim Croce saying that like he's a goofer and a gaffster and he's not he doesn't go toe-to-toe with any serious singer-songwriter and it's like try and write a song that's this much fun and actually it like has this much songwriting talent in it 
because even though you can think of it like being a gag fun song this takes talent to build something like this in two and a half minutes that's not easy to do um it's 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 fun it's so much fun and it is it, sh- it shows off what he- he's got such a fucking knack for creating his characters and it's it's lovely like if you if you did a whack pack with all his characters it'd be quite the quite the interesting little group <laughs> all right so do you think that he would be something that people your age would listen to and enjoy I'm gonna say to most of the people my age, I'm gonna say no. I know that this because I, w- I was singing Bad Levi Brown in the warehouse, and Cody like said that he loves that song. He's like, you know that song? I'm like, yeah, I didn't, that's the record my dad could give to me. And so, I mean, pe- people are still listening to it, but there seems to be this weird. I honestly think it started with Cobain. This weird romanticization of these like really tragic singer-songwriters um, that are still around. And these people like Croce don't seem to get this much, or that or that kind of character don't seem to get that much love from the general population, where he isn't like on dope. He isn't like this millionaire guy. He's just a real guy making a living by writing songs. And that mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be something that this, from what I can tell that the people my age um, really seem to get down with. I mean, like the the people that listen to like Sufjan Stevens and are into like Arcade Fire and shit in that kind of in the more alternative scene that care a little bit more. This is sounds pretentious, but people that seem to care more about music will dig stuff like this. But I think it sadly it'll they'll lump it back into that this just another singer songwriter guy. They'll just see him as a, that kind of character. Well, I was curious because it seems like every, and this has been going on for years and years and years, um, it seems like every two or three years there's some acoustic song that hits, like just absolutely blows up, like hugely popular. I mean, you can go back to like, you know, Good Riddance, Starry Life, um, all the way up to like, Hey There, Delilah, mm-hmm. you know, just a guy and a guitar. And, you know, I think that you could take, you know, like Operator and record it today and i think if it hit on one of those things it could be a a huge hit song because it's basically the same thing as like i said every three to four years some acoustic song seems to hit and uh you know the stuff that we play at the store you know we'll play those and when hey there delilah comes on everybody sings it everybody loves that song and that's a guy and a guitar i mean that's really basically what it is the basic roots of music doing that but no, I can, and, and, and I was kind of wondering when I gave it a record because I knew you'd appreciate it because the lyrics, mm-hmm. but, you know, I think it's kind of, of all the genres of music that are out there and, you know, you talk about stuff and I'm like, Jesus Christ, that's like a sub-genre of a sub-genre of a sub-genre yeah. that, you know, I would hope there's always room for a guy with a guitar and a story to tell. And it, that's kind of my you know, my, my hope. And, you know, I mean, the last, the, the two albums I've given you are basically singer songwriters for that reason mm-hmm. is you can, you can make a, you know, a really powerful record with a guy and a guitar and a story and a heart. And I just hope that doesn't die out. That That's my big fear, but, you know, hopefully 
somebody they use it in a commercial they use it in a video game or they use mm-hmm. it in a you know like like you said like in logan or they use it something like that and you know it keeps it relevant because this is a guy that you know i mean and you you do know a lot about music and, you know do you know who this guy was and this guy deserves to be more than a footnote yeah yeah, yeah, yeah it, he's, it, he's incredibly talented and it's good music yeah he, he deserves this deserves a lot more than to be he's not bob dylan which seems to be what historically has happened to him and that's and that actually don't um to touch back on the on the, the singer about like the my generation not digging this i think that people that he's dealing with these subjects and dealing with these like really complicated and nuanced feelings and situations that people just don't want to face and i mean that is something that always bothers me about people is it's like if you don't like it you don't like it but you've quite literally got to face the music on some of this stuff like this is part of what being human's all about and wouldn't you want to be the most human you can be and this guy is pretty fucking in touch with what it means to be human i mean these are not light subjects these are not like it's it's heavy and face it and deal with it and i don't think this is some of this some of the stuff especially songs like lovers cross and i got a name an operator i don't think that's that's stuff that it hurts to look in the mirror and face that and it's and it's a tragedy and you know you've got to keep in mind that he wrote a lot of the stuff probably when he was around your age you know that's that's the thing because he sounds like a you know a grizzled 40 year old guy singing these songs but now he probably wrote a lot of stuff when he was you know 24 25 26 years old so you know i gave it to you because i thought i knew you'd enjoy it um but you know my hope my hope was that you know, if you played two or uh, one of these songs or if you threw it in the middle of a you know of something that you're playing you know doing a mixtape for somebody or something like that be like hey what is this you know this is this is good stuff this is you know it's a good song that song really writes to me and there's a couple i don't care how old you are there's you know there's a couple songs on there that you're going to relate to i don't care if you're 15 if you're 25 if you're 45 and you might know what an operator is and you might wonder why he's talking about you can keep the dime because that hasn't existed in your lifetime. You relate to the feeling of it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something in my, you know, it happens every time, you know, you relate to that. That's such a great line. That's such a great line. Cause it is, it's, it is really timeless. It's not, it doesn't show it's date at all, even though who knows what the fuck a roll derby is like, and again, the operator thing, but it's, it's, it, it's timeless and i know that this guy definitely that jim croce definitely touched a lot of singer songwriters or just, mm-hmm. just people that wanted to write as authentically as they could and that is something that really shines through in this is it is authentic and it is painful at points because it's so authentic but yeah, that's what that's, that's well, what great art look that's what great art does is it makes you look mm-hmm. look in the fucking mirror and, and just face it because <laughs> that's the way it is that's the way it is. It's not all. It's not all sunshines and rainbows. But that's just the way it feels. That's just the way it feels. And uh, oh god, there was some, but like amongst this, amongst like this hard look in the mirror, he offers the antidote. He offers how to keep going despite this, despite that you've lost every love of your life and you're ne- it's never going to get better. How to keep going? It, th- there was some line I can't remember what it was. It was like it. It's 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 what we do that makes us who we are it's what we've done that makes us who we are some i don't remember what, what line i remember, it is, the line. There's some, I don't remember. there's some line about like 
this is it's it makes you stronger because of it which again circles back to the tame apollo record which is basically saying the same thing you know yeah. it doesn't it doesn't matter if you don't fit in here you'll find some place to fit in and it's not you it could be them so that's that's okay yeah, yeah. so All that's right. uh in oh um, also sorry um call out on um Elliot touching back on something from last week. Elliot Smith's cover of 13. Holy fuck. Holy fuck. Um, that guy listened to Big Star because vocally, yeah. that's incredibly close. Mm-hmm. I was blown away by that. I'd never heard that cover. Um, yeah, dude, listen to Big Star. <laughs> There's no question because that that the, the, especially the first the first two verses. Mm-hmm. god damn he sounds exactly Fucking, like it yeah that's yeah. that's a great cover that's a great cover and actually the, the elliot smith thing is a great a great thing to compare to the jim croce thing is he writes the way that the way that all the great singer songwriters do is they make you look in the mirror at these things that are hard to look at but they're there with you they're they're there looking at it with you you're not alone in looking at it and yeah no he, he did the same thing and fuck what a haunting character yeah good shout out for that appreciate it and just a, a quick, a quick thing, just to touch on this record is songwriting on it is phenomenal. But I do not want to downplay how great some of the instrumentation is on it. Those violins on track. I remember what track it is. Oh, on um, "Near Except My Home." Those strings are so beautiful. Those strings, those strings are so lovely, and they really touch. Like it's, it could be, a, it could be an acoustic record, be just as great. But the 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 instruments really help elevate it to something more than that. Yeah, actually, I was I was looking that up. Um, it was Mari, and I'm I'm gonna butcher the last name. Um, Mulehisen, Mulehisen. That was the other guitar player that okay. was on. He unfortunately he also died in a plane crash. But that's the guy that did a lot of the stuff, a lot of the guitar tracks on the album with him. So. Again, you know, tragic loss. But yeah, there's some there's some beautiful guitar playing on the album. Any any more questions? Um no, I don't think so. Um okay. no, I don't I don't think so. Okay, perfect. We did, we did it guys. We we got we got the another one. We got it. We did it. So, have you got a teaser for what you're going to give to me next week? Yes, I've got a very mm-hmm. long list, but a record that I used to listen to in <coughs> high school that really I liked, but it didn't quite mean what it means to me now, partly because the age, uh the age I'm in currently and the life I'm living is so Definitely. Gwen Stefani, <laughs> Charlie XEX. I'm gonna give you some Charlie. <laughs> I'm gonna give you some Charlie because you've talked about your affinity for chick pop, and yeah, big fan, big fan. Wear it on my sleeve, right there next she, to BFG. Big fan. She, <laughs> she is a chick pop uh, icon, and she um, also you know just casually lands interviews with fucking Edgar Wright. So that's really cool. Um, so I have it written down. I know what record I'm going to give you, but I'm just going to, you can go first. I'm going to make sure that I'm not 
going to be doing myself and or your, you a disservice in what record I choose. Okay, actually, mine changed today. Um, oh. So I was listening to a soccer podcast, and uh, it's caught offside. It's fantastic if you're a soccer fan. And he was talking about that he had gone to see the War on Drugs in concert at mm-hmm. MSG and was just you know raving about it. And so listen to the war on drugs and uh, big fan, big fan of what I've listened to so far. And so it kind of rewound me back to an album that um, since you gave me a concept album, this is kind of a different style of a concept album um, that I love. And you've heard at least one track off of it um, bouncing around the household before. Um, it's a band called Delamitri. D-E-L-A-M-I-T-R-I and the album's from 1992 and it's Change Anything. Okay. Okay, I'm going to put that in my thing so I do not forget this. By Del Amitri. Mm-hmm. Big curveball from what you've been listening to before. Wait, how do you spell Del Amitri? D-E-L and the second word is A-M-I-T-R-I. And the album is change everything. Oh, change everything. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. They have actually had a couple a couple songs that charted. Um, Roll to me was one that actually got a lot of radio play. The video was actually pretty popular because it had their heads on babies' faces and strollers and stuff. That's so it was pretty, pretty popular. Cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm curious to see what you think about it. So okay, for sure. A little bit different than what you've been listening to thus far. Okay, for sure um this quick question have yes. you heard of this band called sparks before uh i don't think so me neither apparently they're like the best fucking band ever that no one's ever heard of and so we we, we might have to do like a group session on listening to a sparks record because 26 lps 26 lps and edgar Wright just did an interview or did a documentary about them and everybody that's a musician loves them and i've never they did a song called number one song in heaven which apparently was like their biggest hit never heard of them never heard of their songs once but apparently they're like the shit sparks sparks they yes. i don't i didn't i was never much of like oingo boingo or devo listen to that but a couple of the tracks that i've heard sound like that kind of stuff but apparently they also are notorious for just constantly changing uh their sounds Never heard of Sparks. Apparently, everybody loves Sparks. I've listened. I've heard them brought up on different podcasts on four separate occasions now. So I'm furious that I don't know about this band. And yeah. Yeah, it pulled right up here. Um, okay. Yeah. No. Never we, heard of we, them. We might have to eventually both listen to a Sparks tracker because this is insanity. Okay. All righty. So let's see. What got... you got for me? This is this is a laundry list of great. I mean, these are all gonna be great. Um, I'm gonna put off giving you some hip hop shit for one more week so I can give you the record that I've been obsessed with recently, and I think you will really dig it too. It isn't too dissimilar thematically from Mr. Lonerism, but different, definitely different sounds. Um, I'm going to give you the Dismemberment Plans 1999 record, uh, Emergency and I. Um, rock, 
1999. Um, loved it in high school, but listening to it now, it means something completely different and is really grabbing me by the balls. And I haven't heard it talk about that much. I don't hear it talked about hardly ever at all. And that's, uh, uh, it's frustrating. <laughs> it's frustrating. Dismemberment's plans. The the dismemberment plan. I it's, dismemberment plan. Okay. I don't look. I think it is. I think it's a reference like a Monty Python sketch. I can't remember, but it's a reference from something that, that name. But yes, their 1999 record Emergency and I. All right, I'll look forward to it. You give me two good ones so far. Let's go. You haven't missed either. Fuck, I'm excited for this stuff. As long as it doesn't sound like Depeche Mode, I'll be cool, man. I'm a huge fan, you know, so. Of, of Depeche fan? Or uh, of Depeche Mode? Okay, okay. I was going to say, I must have, must have gotten to a parallel universe somewhere where, where no. you didn't hate people that liked The Cure. You know, <laughs> you know but it's funny. It, they're, again, they're, they're just like The Cure where, you know, like, God, I hate them. God, I hate them. And Friday... I'm in love comes on the radio and you're like, God damn, that's a great song. And there is a acoustic version of, uh, of personal Jesus that pops up on one of the playlists I listen to. And it's just a great fucking version of that song. You know, it's them like, eh. I don't know. I blame MTV. Hey, I, 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 they I, had 12 I videos like, and I watched this all the time. <laughs> I quite like boys don't cry. It's just too catchy. It's just too catchy to not like. That's a whole other video. That's just me going <laughs> off on, yeah, on that particular yeah. genre we'll, of music. We'll do a why Scott hates a, 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 a sad 16-year-old boys. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. And I, I lived through it. And I, and I lived through it. I know. I can't believe you raised me. I asked you. I, God. Two years ago, I asked my dad for the box set of the Queen's death. Of the Queen is dead. I thought he was going to fucking crucify me. <laughs> and I bought it for him. Yeah, but hey, hey, Johnny Marr, Johnny Marr, a lot of fucking love for Johnny Marr. Brilliant yeah. man, brilliant and, and, man. You know, and there's no way I can't. I, I'm gonna go there and say that you know, there's no talent that group, and you know, and they did they did the most of of. I mean, they were huge. You know, I mean, they were they were huge. They were hugely popular, and they were unbelievably influential also in their own right. Um, you know, I mean, if you ever see when they you know show up at Glastonbury or something like that, it's like Jesus coming back. You know, I mean, it's yeah, Morsi. I, you know, I believe they did a enormous. poll. He's, they said he's the second most seminal Englishman ever below yeah, but, Sir David Attenborough. <laughs> yeah, but they like blur too. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, what the fuck do they know? But yeah, no, just growing, just, you know, selling records during that whole time when they were so popular. Like, do you have the Bauhaus? Can I get Bill Lugosi's dead? You know, because you're so fucking underground. It sucks. Yeah, you're, so, you're, listening, so, you're listening to Jim Croce and these fuckers coming to the eye line. Right. Like, are you kidding me? Are you fucking serious? Grow a pair. Drive That's a like truck, the, you fucking loser. The kids in the hall sketch, okay, comes in. You have to do, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it sucks. Says who? Jim fucking Morrison. That's who says who. <laughs> like, yeah, that's that was the, uh, again, we'll, we'll not go off on that tangent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, my unhealthy hatred for that particular genre of music, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But so um, <laughs> on that note, since like anybody likes those bands, I will never watch one of these videos again. And I'm not wrong, by the way, about uh, 
they suck um thanks for watching you know i hope you guys have fun watching this we have a good time recording it it's pretty cool i get to hang out with my kid and we can talk about some music that neither one of us listened to and we both really 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 like so uh hopefully you guys give those albums a listen to um i think they're both well with your time no matter what your age is you'll dig them both so thanks for watching 12 for a penny again bring along a lampshade somewhere there's a party peace